Blog Talk Radio. Combat sports. What a weekend. What a night. <laughs> we don't even have to go into the whole weekend. We get to talk about last night's Monday night football game. Holy cow. I've been watching football a long time. And I've seen a lot. <laughs> I've seen a lot of football. And I don't know that I can recall a time where I've seen more consistent how do I even describe it? Um, hard hitting doesn't 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 seem like it's enough. Fringe play, um, you know, intensity. Now, I, I don't know. I can't find the word, but I honestly don't know where I've seen it more consistently violent. And you know, I go back to you know Lester Hayes. Y'all don't know about Lester Hayes. Y'all got to look up the Stickham man. You know, I was watching that Monday night when Daryl Stingley got paralyzed. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, I, I go back a long ways with this sport, and I've seen some nasty hits. I've seen hits where when those hits that they penalized today were legal, you could take somebody's head off. I saw Terry Bradshaw dumped on his head, and he wasn't penalized. Broken neck. It wasn't penalized. You understand what I'm saying? And while the rules have changed, it is more the ferocity of the sport. And it's, I mean, seriously, it's like, it's like you really need to get, you know, Michael Buffer out there and let's get ready to rumble. It's nasty now. It's just nasty. The hits are aggressive, but it's nasty. It, it, it is really like Bounty Gate. But every game, like, we are trying to hurt you. We are trying to take you out. I, I, I just don't know. I just don't know. A lot went on this week, and uh, we're going to get deep into it. But as you know, I don't do this alone. I got the man. I got the man from Atlanta. I got the man from the Dirty South. I got the man who some call the voice of reason. Really don't know why. I don't know why train gives him the voice of reason. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know that I agree with that nickname. But I will say this, he is my younger brother. JB, welcome to the Madden Voice. Yes, sir, live and direct. And you can disagree all you want to. I still am the voice of reason. You better blab it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, the voice of unreason. But anyway, hey, welcome, man. Welcome to the show. How's the weather bro. down there? Hey, how's the weather down there? It's going to be cold tomorrow. It was in the 60s yesterday and 60s today, and from here on out, probably going to be in the 40s. Oh, boy. <laughs> how soon yeah. you forget? Cold. 40s. Okay, it was in the 40s here today. He's talking about. Well, maybe got into the 50s today, but anyway, anyway. You know? <laughs> uh, so, something I've been wanting to say. I haven't been able to say it in a while, but I can certainly say it now. How about this, Cowboy? Yeah. About time. You know, what su- you know what sucks about a Thursday night game is by the time we get on to our show, we're, almost, we're, we're about knocking on the door of the next Thursday night game. But, um, you know, since we are here and I don't really know where Dr. Train and K-Star are, um, let's talk Cowboys. Um, JB, your thoughts on the rebirth of Dallas? Uh, have they found a groove? You know, uh, they, you know in case people, uh, you know, have forgotten because it was so long ago, uh, Washington came into Dallas. Dallas won that game 38 to 14 with a dominant performance by the defense, some nice special teams play. Um, Dak Prescott is getting uh, kind of criticized, um, 11 for 22, 122 yards. Uh, but Alfred Morris had uh, um, his best day as a cowboy. Uh, I believe it was 20, I'm going off memory here, I believe it was 27 carries for 127 yards. He might have even led the NFL this week. If not, he was up there as one of the NFL leaders this week, rushing yards from scrimmage. So, Jay, you know, is this is this a Dallas team that may have finally figured out how to get some wins without Sean Lee and Ezekiel Elliott, or is this just a bad Washington Redskins team? You know what? I think that they did kind of find their groove a little bit. I mean, the, the ultimate question is, where has this been the last three weeks? But never mind all that. I think this was a good team when you've got the offense – and I know you said Dak with his low output numbers, but he really didn't have to do a whole lot. You think about it. He just had to make sure the the, the chains keep moving. And Alfred Morris with 127 yards on 27 carries and a touchdown, and you've got Switzer taking it to the house on a nice punt. It was a nice team win, the defense kicking in as well. So I think they found their mojo. I think their blueprint is just a matter of making sure that they get off to the, the, the appropriate start so they can have some momentum going into it. And then you look at the game, and the Redskins, they're a good team. Are they a great team? No. Are they a bad team? No. They're, they are definitely a competitive team. And you have to have – you have to give the Cowboys some credit for uh, for coming out with such a decisive win. So if they can just get out of the blocks fast and attack, uh, that's really what they need to do. Hopefully they'll be able to do that again coming up against the Giants. Yeah, I mean, I think um... – they made some changes in secondary, which I really think paid some dividends. Kayvon yeah. Frazier was brought in Before. as a safety, and um, he certainly uh, – on Twitter, I saw him use the term, the enforcer is here, and I even tweeted him that he had a great game. Um, um, what's his name? Um, Brown was benched, came in off the, came in off the bench, played some slot. Uh, Byron Jones was put down as a corner, and um, – Skandrick got hurt, but Skandrick, you know, Skandrick played well, but he got hurt. Not sure his status for this game against the Giants. Um, and I uh, um, cannot say this guy's name. Chidibi, Chidibi, Awuzie. Chidibi, Chidibi. 
Chitabe, yeah, something like that. Yeah. He came in and started at the other corner. And, um, you know, these guys played well. And, you know, I, I think I don't really want to say where was this. I guess the question would be, why did it take so long after we've seen the secondary get torched repeatedly? Why did it take so long to make these changes? Um, we know Kirk Cousins to be a pretty solid quarterback. I don't know what Washington is waiting for. I mean, you know, they're, they're not going to franchise franchise tag him another year, $34.5 million this year. I mean, if I'm him, hey, franchise me every year. Get 24 yep. this year. Oh, wait a minute. There is an update on Shazier. Let's see. Okay. Uh, no real update. Yeah, we're going to get. Yeah, I, I read somewhere that he was starting to get some feeling in his extremities, um, but they've been very yeah. vague about about his updates, which certainly concerns all of us. Uh, uh, here in you know football land, that's that's just a it's it's a it's a scary thing. And we're gonna get we're gonna get we're gonna get deep into this Pittsburgh um, Cincinnati game. And, and speaking of Pittsburgh, uh, we've got K Star joining us. K Star, welcome to the Madden Voice. Hey, what's going on, fellas? What's going on, K Star? In the house. Boy, we perfect yeah. timing. Well, not just yet. We, yes. We're going to get there next. Let's finish up with these Cowboys. Um, JB, the other question I wanted to ask you, and, you know, I, I, want, I want, you know, your gut feeling. Two questions. The first question is, do the Cowboys win out? Second question is, will it be enough? And we know that. We, 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 yeah, I want you because there's no way we're going to know. Right, yeah. it's, it's opinions, and you know, I don't, I don't really want to waste time. Well, this team needs to lose, and that team needs to lose. And eh, it's too, yeah. it's too complicated. Your gut feeling is number, oh, number one, do they run the table? Sean Lee's back this weekend, which is a good thing on defense. Uh, we, we seen, uh, you know, Alfred Morris get into a groove. Offensive line looked like they was finally looking more like themselves. Some great adjustments on, on uh, defense. You got the Giants this week. Couldn't ask for a better opponent to try to get yourself into a, into a little win streak here. And then there's Oakland. Then there's Seattle. And when Seattle comes to town, Zeke is back. And then the end of the season against Philly. And by then, Philly may have it all locked up. Philly may not have anything to play for. We don't know. Um, not that not that Dallas needs that to beat Philly because they really don't. Um, but again, the question for you, JB, is with that schedule, with people starting to return, Sean Lee this week, Zeke in two weeks, your gut feeling again. Number one, do you think they can? Not do you think they can? Do you think they will? Let's be definitive here. Run the table, and if they do at ten and six, do you think that is enough? Will that get them into the playoffs? All right, so I'm going to take my Homer hat off, and I'm just going to give you a straight football player or football mentality, uh, football fans mentality about the whole thing. So I'm going to work backwards. Will 10-6 be enough? I don't think so. Will they run the table? I don't think so. Um, I think the fact that they've been inconsistent, and, yes, they played well against the Redskins and had a great victory, I just don't see that something that can be done for the next four games consistently the way they did against the Redskins. That's, that's my gut talking. Let's, let's make sure we clarify. That's my gut talking. The homer side of me says, absolutely, let's go for it. But I'm giving you my gut. 
ten and six I don't think is gonna be enough because they're gonna have to jump four different teams and then on top of all that, the consist the inconsistency makes me doubt it. So I'd say no to both. Okay. I'm going to answer that question myself momentarily. Just want to welcome Dr. Train on to the Madden Voice. Dr. Train, welcome to the Madden Voice. What's going on, fellas? What's going on, Dr. Train? Um, What's up, Train? So just, just giving you my answer, and I, you know, I'm not going to clarify Homer had it on. I'm going to tell you exactly how I feel. Um, I believe they can and will run the table, and it's real simple. They're going to beat the Giants. Giants are a mess. I don't care if they did fire their coach. I don't care if Eli's coming back with something to prove. It's just they're too injury riddled. They're too much of a dysfunctional franchise. Um, They're not going to have enough to beat Dallas. And granted, this will be their Super Bowl, and they're going to come swinging. But we've we've handled them when they've come swinging before. We'll handle them again. Oakland's going to be a good game. That's going to be the game right there because it's in Oakland, and Oakland is also trying to win a division there. So that's going to be the battle. And – they will win that game. Then Zeke comes back. And you've got, you've got Seattle coming into town. Seattle, you know, we, we, we've had conversations about Russell Wilson, and I'm sure we're going to have a lot more conversations about Russell Wilson versus Dak. We get to see it. And, you know, just as a side note on that real quick, if anybody watched the Seattle-Philly game, especially if Dallas watched the Seattle-Philly game, especially if Jason Garrett watched the Seattle-Philly game, I said two weeks ago, Use Dak Prescott, uh, use his legs more. Watch Seattle. Watch Seattle. There's, there, there's your blueprint right there as far as Dak has all those abilities. There's your blueprint, at least until Zeke gets back. Now, when Zeke gets back, okay, you, you can curl it back a little bit. Next two weeks, y'all, y'all got y'all to gotta, y'all gotta do that because we know that Dak can do all that. But anyway, you've got Seattle. That's going to be a hell of a game in Dallas. Okay, and then Philly in Philly. I believe the team is strong enough, especially with Sean Lee coming back this weekend, Zeke coming back in two weeks. The team can definitely run the table. So I feel very good about the chances to run the table. However, I don't feel good about the chances that that's going to be enough. I just don't think 10 and 6 is going to do it. I think I think it's going to take 11 and 5, and I don't think Dallas is going to get to 11 and 5. I, I really don't. I think there's a better chance of Philly collapsing because we've seen this before, and Dallas running the table and winning the division, then Philly winning the division and Dallas getting in as a wild card. I just I don't see it happening. And, I, and, and I, I'm not even sad about it because you brought it on yourself. Remember that song, Jay? That old yep. rap song from back in the day? You brought it on yourself. You know, you did it to yourself. You had games where you went in a halftime leading. You got games where you scored, th- scored 30 points. Plus points, you know, uh, uh, the Rams, um, there's another game that scored 30 plus points, uh, Green Bay, and lost. Those aren't, yep. those are games you can't lose. Those are NFC games. You score enough points, you can't lose those games. And sure enough, when you do it, it comes back and bites you. And I believe that Jay and I, as Cowboy fans, will be sitting here at the end of the year looking at the Cowboys sitting one game out of a wild-card spot and saying, had they just gotten any of those close victories, they'd be going in the playoffs. And they're going to be the team that nobody's going to want to play. They're going to be healthy. Zeke's going to be rested six weeks and not having played six weeks. They'll be able to run him, run him, run him. Sean Lee's back, and he was quoted saying, I feel great. They kept him out an extra game because they knew they had another 10-day rest. If it was the playoffs, he could have played last week, just so everybody knows. But since it's not the playoffs and they know they got to go on a run, they kept him out. 
He's fully healed. He's ready to go. The team's ready to run. They're ready to roll. It just may not be enough, Cowboy fans. If you're listening, I got to be honest. I can't, I can't, you know, I, I can be a homer, but I can't lie. I don't think it's going to be enough. I think the Cowboys are going to miss the playoffs. So there you have it. But you know what? This week, let me just do one more because then we're going to get, we're not even, we're not even going to bother training. How about uh, we're not even going to bother train and K-Star with the Cowboy talk this week. We're going to jump, we're going to jump right into last night. That's the game we got to talk about. That, we got to get into this one. I, I, I mean, the Cowboys was five days ago. I, I don't even remember the game anymore. I just know we won. What'd I say? We won. That's right. We did win. That's right. How about them Cowboys? Okay, okay, okay. But anyway, we got to get into the Steelers game, man. Steelers, <laughs> Bengals, man. We got to get into this one because, woo, before we bring K-Star on, before we bring K-Star on, I have to go to Dr. Train because, Train, I happen to know that you're a fan of physical football. You like good defense. You know, you're a Bears diehard, Monsters of the Midway, one of the team legendary defenses, you know, Chicago Bears have had. I know you like hard mouth, you know, knock them in the mouth, hit them, you know. <clears throat> yeah, I know you like that. But last night, man, what are your thoughts? I know K-Star's chomping over there, but before we let K-Star in, Train, what are your thoughts on that AFC North game? Ben Roethlisberger was asked, what do you think about this physical game? He goes, AFC North football. What are your thoughts, man? Um, well, before I answer that, have, have, have you guys seen the movie Concussion yet? It's been out yes. for a while, but that's going yep. to be taken. So, um, by all means, I love, I, I definitely love physical, physical football. Um, but what makes it difficult to enjoy the true physical football, you know, some of the hits that do happen is the long-term effect that it can have on players. If you look at the hits, they're, they're, they're exactly what the players did back in early 2000s, 90s. 80, 70, and you can go as far back. You know what I'm saying? That's definitely how they how they hit each other. Heck, they taunted each other when they hit each other. They made you feel it like you don't want this to happen again. And um, you know, after seeing that movie and getting an understanding of what it does to players long term, it just it's not. You don't get the same feeling when you see the hit. Now you 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 know it's a it's almost like a it. it it's almost like someone let the air out of the tire, and I was like, oh, man, that's about to be a penalty. That's what you're most concerned about, especially when you're watching your own team, teammate make a good – your own team play, and, and they make, they're making hits like that. It's like, oh, they're about to throw the flag. He led with his helmet. He's supposed to leave with his show. Uh, things of that nature. So, honestly, man, it just makes it – as much as you'd be like want to say, woo, it just makes it tougher to enjoy at the end of the day. But from all the analysis that I that I saw today, um, I don't agree with the whole. Even though uh, Ecoli, I hope I'm saying his last name right, the Cincinnati Bengals safety. Even though he got a suspension, I don't take his hit as being malicious. I take his hit as I need to try to draw this ball away from uh, Brown before he completes this catch in the end zone. Because if he lands in the end zone on the ground and the ball comes out and he hit him, it's incomplete pass. But, you know, he, he leaves with his helmet, and, of course, it becomes a helmet to helmet. But I don't, I don't consider his hit necessarily to be, to be dirty. Now, 
Juju, it, the the taunt is what makes his hit look bad. <laughs> it's not so much as the hit itself; it's the taunt. And with all the talk about helmet to helmet concussions and CTE, it is not as is not as enjoyable as it was back in the days of watching. You got jacked up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 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 oh, I was, I was, I was, I was sitting up here talking. Well, I had, you know, had daughter issues last night, but, but I, I, I recorded the game, so I was able to uh, rewind and watch some of it. I was standing in my living room talking about he just got jacked up. You know what I mean? I, I you know, I, you know, I, that was I the did. best. I, you know, was like the that was the best, best, bit, the best, best little bit. Oh God! That's was. what Michael Irvin was working for ESPN. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Tom Jackson uh, too. Tom Jackson. But I, I, I do want to make one quick comment. Um, I completely disagree. I think uh the safety from Cincinnati was head hunting too. I don't know how Antonio Brown hold the hell that ball and and put his arms <laughs> up like touchdown. I mean, dude make me sick. I take let's bring K Star in, man. I you know K Star. You're still, you're, I'm still sticking by my guns, Dak Prescott. I'll take Dak over Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's having a great year. Good for him. But I still take Dak. But I will have to say, man, every time I watch Antonio Brown, man, I get mad. Dude is just so damn good. <laughs> it, 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 just, it just pisses me off. He's so goddamn good. He could run every route. The dude's got hands like Chris Carter. He can get up and get the ball. He can go deep and get the ball. He got not, He got just up and just laid there and put his arms up and says, that's all you got, motherfucker? That's it? That's all you got? So, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Star, your thoughts on last night's game? Um, so, the Tokyo Brown catch real quick since we're on it. Yeah, that was – I don't know how he held on to that because – uh, I agree that it seemed to me that the safety was was headhunting. And, I mean, you got to remember context is important. And what happened just a few plays before the Juju Smith play on perfect, right? So you, you had Vlad Bud boiling. And it was pretty obvious, I mean, to me anyway, uh, that he was headhunting. But the fact that he held on to it, I, I mean, he's the best in the world. It's just it's crazy. It's crazy. I'm happy to see yeah, but yeah. Yes, I, I, I can't. I, you know me. I ain't. I don't want to agree with you about anything, man. You could say, you could say the sun's <laughs> up and the sun be shining. I'm gonna look at you and say it's raining. I don't know what you're talking about. It's pouring rain. But damn, he's good. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as the game itself, I mean, so okay, a couple of things. Ben's right. I mean, for one, it's actually correct. It is AFC North game. But what he means by that too is these are these are really really physical brutal games they always are the Steelers Ravens game people talk about how they're excited to always watch it well why it's not because they're high scoring affairs it's because they're tough you know hard hitting low scoring physical games as they are against Cincinnati just a couple of years ago they played in the wild card game and that was an absolute uh, brutal uh, hit fest as well and there's a ton of penalties that game uh, AB actually got uh, concussed on the final drive when they put the field goal range in that game as well, just a blood bloodbath, just as this one was last night. So no one really should be surprised by it. Um, you know, and it does suck knowing what we do know about these players and their health long-term, um, you know, and, and as far as uh, Vontez perfect, I just want to touch on that. The, Juju Smith should not be suspended. I, I just don't understand 
and, and this is to a, a, a bigger point that I'm sure we'll all cover, that the NFL doesn't have consistency, they don't have criteria, and they don't have parameters in how, why, or when they suspend players, and they need it because this gray area doesn't make any sense. Juju Smith-Schuster, all he did was make a very uh, great block on Burfecht, who was uh, pursuing uh, Le'Veon on the play. And I, first of all, I don't. I guess by rule, I, I guess I still don't understand the rule personally, but apparently it's a legal hit. But I think that he'll suspend it just because of the follow-up taunt. I think moreover he'll suspend it because the game was on Monday Night Football and a lot of people saw it. And the reason why I think that, and to me it's not just conjecture, is just a few weeks ago we saw A.J. Green channel his inner undertaker and try to slam Jalen Ramsey. It, you know, and that wasn't even a football play. That was after the whistle. This was at least during the whistle. And, you know, they got ejected, but they had played half a game, you know. And the fact of the matter is, NFL doesn't have any criteria, so they just it, – it's all reactionary, and it's always terrible, and it's always going to cause, you know, the backlash against the NFL. They're set up for failure, and it was a horrible suspension, and it, it pisses me off because, again, they just don't have a criteria, and so it's just – it's it, it, so, they so let me, let me just let me, let me ask you a question. You live out in uh, Indiana, right? Correct. All right. What's the speed limit? Um, well, like on, 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 on a highway, sixty-five. Okay, seventy. So, it's sixty-five or seventy. Which, which is it? It's seventy on the highway. Okay. So if you go seventy-one, will you get a ticket? Nope. Why not? The speed limit seventy. Why won't you get a ticket seventy-one? Um, well, they just don't enforce it. You know, it's they the, will if you go over a certain threshold. Right, but is there one solid threshold? Is it 72? Is it 73? Is it 74? You see my point? You can't have something as significant as a, as a suspension and have it be black and white. There has to be gray based on circumstances. I will agree with you that Juju Smith's uh, a Schuster, whatever the hell his name is, a hit you got it. in any other game, in any other environment, might have just gotten a flag for taunting, and that would have been it. But in the spirit of that game and what was going on and the brutality of that game and the history of that rivalry, and you heard, and I think your boy didn't do your boy any, ju- any justice because you heard the interview. And you heard your boy Antonio Brown in the background saying, karma, karma, because it was perfect. Kind of led to believe that maybe there was some intent because he said, karma, karma. So, yeah, it's never going to be black and white. And if you take that hit, and if that hit was Dallas, Washington, if that hit was, um, you know, well, no, we can't even say New England and Buffalo. We're going to have to get into that in a few minutes, too. But, you know, most of the other games, eh, you get a penalty for taunting and life goes on. But because of that rivalry and the violence in that rivalry, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, I so he didn't, leave, he, didn't, he didn't leave with his helmet on that, on that block? Mm-mm. No. Not really. He lowered sure? his shoulder. It, I mean, shoulder, it's yeah. close. It's close. It's close. Because I, and from, I, the, I think the, the, from the display I saw, it looked it looked like it was. I mean, he's smaller in stature than than, than Montez Burfitt, and he and he lowered.
moment level is going to be there, and that's what it looked like, you know, it hit because it was to the head. And if it's to the head, and he, I mean, that, that's lights out. No players can't get up from that. So I don't I don't see it hit any different than anyone else. I don't, I don't care if it, his, if it wasn't even Monday night. His hit, I'm actually watching it now, he led with his shoulder, hit him with his shoulder to uh, right – uh, not even on his face mask, but like it, it, his top of his chest. Like, I I need to send you this this gift, but like, I I don't understand how this is a legal hit anyway, especially because he literally is in within three within three yards of Le'Veon. Um, I, this one that I, I just maybe I just don't understand the rule, but he he's he's pursuing Le'Veon. Uh, it definitely is in tackling range, and Juju. Um, leads with his sh- with his shoulder pads to the top of his chest and knocks him out. And the problem, or the reason why Perfect got knocked out, is because he just didn't see Juju. He was his eye was on Le'Veon. Juju came from the top of the screen. So I mean, that's you know he just caught him cold, and that's and because of that. Yeah. Um, well, I, I you know I I thought it was a good solid hit. Um, I didn't. I saw it kind of like you saw it, K Star. I really didn't see, um, and I'd have to look at it again to be honest with you, because I've spent, to be honest with you, I've spent more time um, following the Shazier thing and just praying for him. Uh, you know, he was someone that yeah. Dallas was looking very seriously at drafting when he came out, and you know, so I, you know, I really got to like him as a player, and you guys got him good for you, but. You know, just say prayers for him and his family and hope, you know, something like this, it ain't even about football anymore. I just hope that, you know, at at, at least he comes back and doesn't need any major surgeries and can get feeling back in all his extremities and can walk around and live a normal life. Obviously, football is his passion, and that's what he wants to do. But let's let's crawl before we walk. No pun intended at all. So, you know, prayers go out to him and and certainly his family. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Hey, real quick, T. I, I oh, just pull it up with Shay's ear. Real quick, like that that play ruined the actual rest of the game for me. Like I didn't even, I I don't like I really didn't really care if the game resolved at that point. Like I was worried about this guy. Like not as a football player, but as a human being. Like you know that was horrific, and you could see like his legs just not moving. And obviously, we all saw how serious it was. And like that, that just ruined the rest of the game for me. That's just. It was like an ominous, terrible, like, battlement that set the precedent for the game. And not that it was a legal hit, but, like, it was just it, – it killed my vibe. I'm sure it killed everyone else's. And though we won, and I was super happy at the end of the game when we won, like, I, I, I just – football just was so secondary. And that was really one of the first times I've, I felt like that in a long, long time. And definitely prayers for, for Shazier. It's just it's well, awful. I think that T and I can both relate to that because I think T, you remember when uh, when Michael Irvin had the neck injury Michael at Irvin Veterans Stadium, in Philly. Yep. Yep. Oh yep. yeah. Oh yeah. And I remember like yesterday when we both saw that together downstairs with Pop, if I'm if I recall, and you were like, I, I can't even bother eating. You lost your appetite, lost everything, and I think that same sentiment probably carried over for both teams, not just. The, um, the Steelers, but for the Bengals too, and, and obviously all the fans that see it because it's a, it's a violent game, we know it, but it's a game that we love. And at the same token, we don't want to see folks hurt. We want to see folks that are able to walk away from a tackle and, and like nothing ever happened. So when you see that, case though you hit the nail right on the head, you, the whole the whole air comes out of the balloon. You just feel decimated because you don't know what's going to happen next. So 
it made me think about Michael Irvin. I don't know, T, if you had that same thought process going on, too. Well, it's a good comparison, except the biggest difference is one of the reasons I hate Philly fans is they booed when that happened, and Michael Irvin never played another down again. He ended up retiring from that injury, um, and the fans right. booed. They booed Michael right. Irvin. I can't stand Right. And I'm not talking about the fans. I'm just talking about no, the, I, I, the impact you know, and how you felt. No, I, 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 no, I, I, no I, I know what you're talking about. I'm just saying it's just it's it's you know in every other stadium in NFL, the fans applaud and everybody's good sports when the player on another team gets hurt. Except Philly, they got they got to be pricks. But anyway, no, it is a, it is a, it is a fair comparison. Train, you were trying to get in here and say something. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, I've. You know, I was I was trying to follow the game, and that that's one play that I missed. His play that he got injured on, so I was just trying to see exactly uh, what happened, if it's possible to describe. I I heard he hit a player's thigh pad or something, or a player's leg, but I'm I'm not. I it was like thigh hip area. I, it was it was just he. Yeah, he just went in head first. I mean, it was it was a clean hit, but he went in with his head down. And um, you know, he 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 they they teach you now when you go in and tackle, keep your head up and his head was down and you know, his head hit like leg thigh area and he went to the ground and you could see him waving over, you know, the doctors and you could see his legs go limp. So you knew it was it was ugly. You knew that, you know, there was something wrong because his legs just went limp. Yeah, and he pointed to his spine and that was really it. Like he couldn't move after that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. the the part that I the part that I struggle with but uh, for, for for the players on this level, you know, we was in I played football in high school and uh and I've coached little kids that play football and you know, we we're prone to using that help constantly. You know, I grew up man, smacking help. Um but when I was in high school I was also taught, you know, tackling fundamentals. Hit, wrap up. Make sure you see your, Make sure you see your target. And yep. on this professional level, I can't even. I've lost count. I can't even count how many times I see these guys at professional NFL level uh, not look at the target that they are hitting when they go to hit. And then on top of that, not even wrap up. It's like I'm going. Well, to, I'm going because I, I, you're doing a sideline pop in the middle of the field, and the guy simply just makes you miss because you're not one. You're not looking at your target, and two, you're you're not even bothering to wrap up. Yeah, I mean, I think some of it is is good fundamental tackling goes against human nature. When you're going at a target and you're trying to increase your momentum, it is it is normal for you to put your head down. And I think you 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 know when you're taught to tackle as you and I know, you you you're supposed to keep your head up, see your target, rap, bring them down. But when you're trying mm-hmm. to build momentum, your your body tells you in order to build more momentum because I also ran track, right, Jay? So when, you, when you're yep. coming out of the starter blocks, your head is down because you want that push out of the blocks, and your head is down. And if you watch any sprinter, their head is down. And as they're mm-hmm. coming up 30, 40 yards, then they lift their head up because now they're in full stride. But that first 30 yards, the head is down. I think your, 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 your common sense says – I want to hit this. I mean, these are, as we all know, very violent collisions. We had Dwight Freeney on 
that said, um, you know, the reason he didn't want to go to 18 games was because of how hard it is to get your body ready after, mm-hmm. you know, in, in just seven games. And now you want to add two more games? The body just can't do it. He just didn't feel good about it. So with that violent, these guys are trying to hurt each other, literally, and you're in there trying to get that hit. It's just instinctively you put your head down. Um, but then you get, you know, the, 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 that's why what separates a guy like a Ray Lewis from some of the other guys, because Ray did it. The Ray could hit you, hit you hard, but Ray also knew how to hit you, you know. And once Ray got you, you know, you wasn't getting up. <laughs> you know, you you wasn't getting up. I saw the, the documentary they had, 30 for 30, Sean Taylor, 10-year anniversary, and um, I watched him hit. And he's another one that he hit you. He hit you hard, but he put his head down every time. He put his head down. And he was known as one of the hardest, hardest hitters of his era. So, you know, it's just it's going to take – that's why they've gotten – the equipment is getting better. They're trying to get better helmets because they know no matter how hard we teach these guys, they're still going to go ahead first. It's just the way it's going to be. It's, it's just instinctive, you know. It's, it's, um, it's sad when you see a guy like Shazier and you sit there and just pray that he's going to be okay. You know, it all starts with youth football. They got that heads-up program, too, that's going on. So um, that's where the, it's almost like a grassroots type of deal where it's, it's going to take some time for it to go from the high school to the college and ultimately to the pros. So you hope that the, the future NFLers that are still playing peewee will be able to get it right so that we don't have these kinds of, of injuries occur. Yeah, 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 you're right, you're right. I had a um, very interesting Facebook discussion. I felt like I was K-Star for a minute. Um, very interesting Facebook discussion with uh, a couple of uh, Madden guys, Gares and uh, Philly Ron. And um, these guys are Philly, Philly, Philly guys to the heart. And, you know, it was annoying because when you talk about Philly and how Philly has not won a Super Bowl – then you get these diehards that says, well, but they've won championships. And I'm saying, what does that have to do with the price of tea in China? They're like, well, it's just it's the same game with a different name. I'm like, no, it is not. The Super Bowl was born from the AFL-NFL merger. It's not the same game. That's why they call it the Super Bowl era. And, you know, it, it, gets, it gets ridiculous to have to have conversations with people. And I'm kind of surprised at Philly Ron. I've known – him 10 years and very knowledgeable football guy. Garris is an idiot, but Ron's a good guy. And I'm sitting there, and I saw you come on that thread, K-Star. I saw you lurking oh, yeah. on my thread. I, I just <laughs> – I was like, oh, God, Cowboys-Eagles fight. I, I was just observing. Yeah. Well, I was stating fact. It's just, you know, no, it's no, just no, no, you no. get, you get discredited things. because you're a Cowboy fan. And it all started because – Reality, Rod Wynn made a comment about how we need the Eagles to beat the Seahawks, which, of course, they didn't do. And Ron comes on and says, well, it don't matter. Um, We're not resting our guys week 17. And I said, this is why the Eagles never win a Super Bowl, because, you know, the culture of the organization is looking ahead four weeks. Why the hell are you even thinking about week 17? You ain't even won your division yet. Granted, it's kind of fit and complete. You're going to win the division. But you haven't won it yet. But you're looking at, oh, well, we're not resting our guys. Why are you even talking about week 17? 
And then that's what that's what set it off. Bunch of freaking idiots. But anyway, then I had another Facebook thing. Hey, with that being said, Tito, look at the Chiefs. Weren't they up by several games not too long ago? You never know. You just never know. No, you don't. It happens, you know. Then I had another Facebook debate with a fellow Cowboy fan after the Cowboy win in Washington. And he starts talking about Jason Garrett needs to go. We need a coach that does more than clap on the sideline and, and put his finger up to signify whether to go for one or two. I said, what are you talking about? I said, first of all, we just won, and you're over here complaining. What's wrong with you? I said, second of all, do you, you know, Jason Garrett knows he does a lot more than just clap and put the one or two sign up for extra point. And the dude had nerve to say, he said, look, man, I know much more about this team than you do. Now, y'all know. Uh-oh. Y'all know. Uh-oh. <laughs> y'all, y'all. Y'all know. Oh, boy, I wish so, I could have been on that today. I said, I said, Really? I said, so you're claiming that Jason Garrett doesn't do anything, but who made, who made the uh, changes on defense that resulted in the defense playing much better? It wasn't Rob Marinelli who did that. That was Jason Garrett who did that. Oh, oh, and that's two or three other things that I, that I um, listed. Then he said, well, we need a coach that gets in the players' faces' sidelines like Belichick does. Really? You mean like Tony Tunji, Hall of Fame coach? That that was his style. Or maybe Tom Landry, Hall of Fame coach. Hmm. Then he says, "Well, it's a different. It's a different era now. Oh, different than Tony Tunji? Really? You know, it's frustrating to try to have football conversations with idiots. It really is. It really is. Anywho, I digress. I shared um, an article um, with you about fans that loser." Uh, real quick, just that like lose their common sense of reality because, and, and like it's a psychology piece because they they identify themselves as it's part of their identity when they become like a super fan. And that even if you have objective facts, which you did there clearly, uh, you know, they reject it, refute it because, you know, that's it's much easier to do that. Um, and yeah, when I was reading that thread, I was like, oh man, there's that. Super fan syndrome because even just a moment ago you said you know Philly Ron known him for a while pretty good guy, but yeah he's a good guy but he's also one of those type of fans where we you know you could talk to him about pretty much anything else but if you talk to him about you know Philly or Dallas or something I'm sure you know it's going to come words are all of a sudden come out with mouth sideways and logic and reason quickly uh, suffer because of it and that was a pretty good example of it. Hey, listen, before, before train says anything, I sat in one of the hotels in Philly. In case I believe you were there. This was years ago. I believe you were there. There was a Madden tournament the next day. And, mm-hmm. oh, no, actually, actually, it might have been that day. And then this was the night of the – I don't remember. But, no, the Madden tournament was the next day. And it was the, – the Cowboys were playing the Eagles on a Saturday night. And then the, the tournament was on a Sunday. All right? If I remember correctly. Anyway, I don't know. It was a long time ago. But the Cowboys were playing the Eagles, and we were all, all of us were in the lobby watching this game. Okay? Philly Ron was there. Um, everybody, everybody was at Gares. Um, um, Big Gene. Um, everybody was there. Curly Top. You name it. Everybody was there watching the game. And it was three groups. There was the Cowboy fans. There was the Eagles fans. And then there was everybody that wanted to watch the Cowboys and the Eagles fans go at it. Okay, and it was and it was it was it was a lot of fun. And the one thing I learned was how idiotic people can be when they let their homerism cloud their common sense. 
Now, we all can be accused of being homers, but I don't know that anybody goes after their team more than I do. I don't know that anybody talks crap about their own team more than I do because it's the damn truth. When my team plays well, man, give me the pom-poms, and I'm there. When they play like crap, man, I'm all over it. I've been blasting Des Bryant. I have blasted um, Tony Romo in the past. I blasted Dak Prescott for three games playing below standard. I blasted um, Jason Garrett before him, uh, Bum Phillips, Wade Phillips. You know, I, I, I don't care because my football loyalty comes first. Anyway, I'm sorry, not football loyalty, football integrity. Uh, Train, you were trying to jump in here. What you got? And, of course, you know somebody else who talked about a Saturday team and she talked about George. You've been talking to me for, like, two years before we even did this show. So, yes. <laughs> you know somebody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know what I was gonna say. What I don't, what I don't understand about people when they talk about their team needs a new, needs a new head coach. Uh, he uh, need a coach that's in the face of the players. And then they, to use the Belichick example, I think I've seen Belichick in the face of more refs than I've seen in the face of his actual players. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Coaches don't have time to do that on the sideline. They, they got fifty, no, forty-six men. To worry about. I mean, they got the, just the, just the flow of the game to be more concerned about than jumping in the player's face. So, yes. and that doesn't mean that the player is going to be more productive just because you get in their face. Yeah, That's most true. of the most of the head coaching occurs before these guys get on the field. Right. Once the once the game starts, it's more management than anything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, it's, it's more absolutely. okay. We're we're in this situation. I need to get us through this situation. You know what I'm saying? It's the court. The yep. coordinator is calling the plays. The head coach is trying to, what's this next situation? You know, yeah, we, need to, we need to absolutely. do this or we need to do that. So it's, it's, just, it's, it's silly, you know, just, just listening to people's response when you have conversations with them like they're like they have no clue what they're talking about. And the other thing I hate about changing head coach, the, the, the need to, to change head coaches so quickly because I'm looking at Chicago situation and it's like, I mean, is this really the end of Fox? Maybe we do need somebody new. But honestly, I'm looking for consistency because when I look at the thing, when I look at even even the success that Dallas had when Tony Romo was there, the Patriots, Steelers were crying out loud, and these teams got consistency at the coaching position. I need some people that's going to stay for a good five to six years. You changing every three? How the hell are you going to be a playoff team? It doesn't work like that. You be back in the job. You be sitting at home next to me. I I completely 100% agree with you. You know, just to go back to the comment about coaches, you know, one of the things, and Jay, Jay will remember, you know, Jason Garrett was an offensive coordinator, and mm-hmm. when he took mm-hmm. over, he 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 did the play calling. And while he's a very good offensive coordinator, very good play caller, it interfered with his ability to manage the game. There were decisions. I mean, he, we literally lost games because down the stretch, he couldn't do it all. He couldn't call plays and still manage the clock and the timeouts and, you know, make sure substitutions were happening and all the million things that a head coach has to do, he couldn't do. So he turned the play calling over to Linehan. And he did that in 2013. And in 2014, Dallas goes to the playoffs. 
in two of the next three years, Dallas is in the playoffs. And frankly, had Tony Romo got, not got hurt in 2015, chances are it would have been three years in a row. But see, when you have conversations with, with idiots, they don't know that. They, they, they watch um, a team like you know, uh, New England or Pittsburgh, two of the more successful franchises we've had in the last 10 years, and they think that that is the blueprint. Well, it, it has worked for them and how they're doing it, but we could also find plenty of other coaches that were successful that did it differently. So you don't, you don't cookie cutter it. You figure out what works. You find a coach that has a system that's successful, and then you let that coach implement their system. You don't go looking for a coach, you know, and say, well, Bill Cowher used to get in everybody's space and spit in their face, so go get somebody else that can do that. Well, no. Let's go get a good coach that has a system, that understands his players, and that can be successful. I don't see Sean McVay at 31 years old, younger than part of his team, never um, uh, first-time head coach. I don't believe he was ever a player. You think he's going to be able to yell in these six-foot-five millionaire's faces? Looking damn good, his first-year coach. Took over for another guy who had been coaching for how many years? How many teams? He comes in his first year, turns that whole organization around, and he ain't sitting over there yelling and spitting in people's faces. You need to just get a good coach. And, Train, I completely agree with you. Consistency would be great. One of the things I have to respect, again, K-Star, don't, don't get used to these compliments, okay? You just caught me in a, in a moment. I'll find a, I'll find a way to, to, to mess with you soon. But, you know, one of the things you have to say about <laughs> Pittsburgh is the consistency that they've had. You know, three head coaches – you know, each of their head coaches have won a Super Bowl. You know, every year, winning record. You know, it, it's something we all want. And that's why, you know, as a Cowboy fan, I remember, you know, when I started watching the Cowboys in the 70s, right in the middle of their 21-year um, winning record streak, which is an NFL record right now, 21 years from 1965 to 1986, the Cowboys had a winning record every year. You know, and that that it, it you know that kind of stuff you know got doing well, and we've got New England I think 17 years now, so maybe you know maybe that that streak's in jeopardy. So it's what you want as a fan, but the reality is you don't always get it. You, you don't, but it is what it is what you want. So, anywho, I, I just think um, I honestly think just think fans don't I honestly think they don't understand that part, and a lot of the a lot of what they spew out is basically regurgitated from what they hear from analysts who don't know either. You know, as soon as they yell out, oh, man, your team needs a you know, soon, soon as the analysts yell out, your team needs a new head coach, here comes the fan right behind them, man, we need a new head coach. Why again? Because he said so? Mm-hmm. Without any understanding of how the team worked. Yeah. Yeah. Now, on that note, though, what do you think, since we're talking coaches, what do you think about McAdoo getting fired? <laughs> that was about time. I could do this all cool. night. I really can clap for that all night long. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, though, I'm not an Eli Manning fan at the least bit. And I am a little touch worried that he's going to come in Sunday with an axe to grind. Um, and and I hope Dallas is ready because, you know, Eli's had the Cowboys number a few times. But I just think at the end of the day, talent is going to win. And Dallas just 
has more talent than than you know all the injuries and mm-hmm. stuff. You know, I, I don't I don't think I think he'll come out swinging, but they'll go down. But my point is, it's a shame that he had to lose his streak over over some foolishness. It is a oh shame. I mean, you know, fourteen yeah. years, two hundred and ten games. You know, and it has to come to an end over this stupidity. And for what? So now, if I'm Eli. You know, I'm sitting there like, well, what was the point? What the hell was the point of all of this? Geno played like crap. As you probably played one of his better games, but still played like crap. Still fumbled out turning the ball over. Yeah. Well, he, he played like Geno. He played like Geno. Yeah. You know, he, you know, what he makes some. It's what we, we expected. expected but he played like Geno. He did nothing to warrant being started over a two-time Super Bowl champion at all under any circumstances. He did nothing to show. And it wasn't his fault. But he did nothing to show that he was worthy of that start. So if I'm Eli Manning right now, unless unless New York really breaks the bank, I know he's got a no trade clause. I'd be all over my agent. Get me out of here. I'll finish out these four games. Get me the hell out of this team because they. I mean, for what? Where you know everything that guy did. You think about it. We just got through talking about how physical this game is. We just got through talking about the injuries and praying for Shazier's family. And we know Eli Manning ain't had an offensive line in years. And he comes every week and plays. You imagine how many games he's gone in there playing injured, hurt, bumps, bruises, and he still comes in there and plays. And your thank you is, well, you know, we're going to evaluate the talent. So let's put in Geno Smith, who, by the way, used to play in this very stadium, who, by the way, used to play to the Crosstown Jets. And we already know, absolutely sucked. <laughs> but we're going to put him as starter. We're going to see what he can do. And then they fire the coach who made that decision. They fire him. <laughs> so, and, the, so. and the owner says, when I found out what was happening, it already had been, this, this, was, this was great. John Mara says, when I found out what was happening, it had already been announced, and it was too late to make the change. Are you kidding me? That's the part Are I'm struggling you with. kidding me? <laughs> That's yeah. the part yeah. I'm struggling with right there. Exactly. You're, you're the you owner know, of the team. Exactly. <laughs> That's the part of, I'm, that, that makes no sense. None. I would have been there. I would have been there talking about yo. I need Reese. I need McAdoo in my office. Okay, McAdoo, you're fired. Reese, you got you got one more week, and then we'll evaluate you. Okay, get me Spagnola. Steve, here's what we're going to do. We're going to reverse this decision. McAdoo's out of here. Eli's back at starter, and he's playing the win. And I want to talk to Geno Smith and say it's not your fault. Sorry you got caught up, victim of circumstances here. But, hey, you know, football's a business. It is what it is. Get over it. Boom. And then that's it. And then I release a statement. I apologize to the fans of the New York Giants. This was here poorly, but we've acted swiftly and decisively. McAdoo is out of here. His key card doesn't work. And I was waiting for JB to say, and that's the bottom line, because JB said so. Just saying. Just saying. All right. 
Um, oh, K yeah. Star, we still got you on, right? Yes, sir. All right. So I gotta ask you. I gotta ask you this. Let's go to the Patriots. Um, I gotta ask you about Mr. Brady and his sideline outburst. Your thoughts. And and mind you, this ain't the first time. But your thoughts. I mean, right, it's not the first time. I'm always cool with it because I think that stature does matter. I mean, obviously you're not going to have a bottom-tier player yell at your coaches. Brady's kind of, well, he's the greatest. Um, But at the same time, I mean, it's it's kind of like a a, – yeah, kind of insubordination in the way as well. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like this, right? So, he's he's a Patriot. We all know that Patriots conform, and they are, you know, they, they have a system that they uh, adhere to. I mean, if it were such an issue, I think Belichick would, have, would, would handle it, but I don't see it as an issue. I just think it's that part of uh, Brady losing his mind as when he's on the football field. Um, mm. You guys agree mm. with K Star? Mm. Mm. That, that's that's all you got. I mean, it's not anything new. Like this is what he does. That's uh, that's to that whole thing. Yeah, I have no problem with it. Can I go next? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> let me let me put it this way. Here's what I will do with K Star. No, I don't have a problem with it. Not one bit. The problem I have is, if he can do it, then Cam Newton can do it. And it shouldn't be an issue. It shouldn't be that Cam Newton is disrupting the team. It shouldn't be that any other quarterback, and yeah, I'm going to make it African-American because I can. That any other African-American player who who shows the same passion, i.e. Des Bryant, on the sideline, because the team is not playing well, shouldn't be seen as a distraction, but when it's Tom Brady, it's okay. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? It's downright the most ridiculous double standard that they have Uh, in the league thus far. I agree, by the way, and I've been on record for agreeing on this. That's just the white liberal media. All right. I don't. I don't even care that he does it. I really don't. Liberal. By all means, liberal. It's true. Get, it is what it is. Get in his ass if you liberal. want to. Death don't make <laughs> Des Bryant look like some heathen that's just disrupting the team on the sideline when he does the same thing. He's just as passionate, just as pissed when the team is losing or not performing like they should. God damn, man, that double standards of his, I'm, I'm sorry, from my perspective, I'll just be like, look at him, he looks, he looks like he's even too. You know, this J- doesn't look J- any B- different than Dez Bryant or Cam Newton, anybody. J- JB, you want some of this? Is it, is it double standard, and I'm, and I'm just going to just ask in general terms, is it double standard because of the player, or is it double standard because of the position? It may be both, bro. To be honest with you, and, 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 and I ask it that I, I ask it that way for for a reason because I mean you brought up Cam Newton and and and, and I'll go a step further because it's, it's Tom Brady. He's five Super Bowls and whatnot. I'm trying to think of someone comparable that would do that. 
if it was a don't matter though. Season, it's, it's a different. Yeah, but, but, no, I'm, I'm not done though. I'm not. I'm not done. The I'm not Super Bowls done. don't matter. Let me, let, let me, but let me finish. You don't even know where I'm going. Let me finish. What I'm saying is, everybody says Tom Brady he got five Super Bowls. Is it? If you were to compare it to someone who has the same number of Super Bowls, would it still be all right? Would it be justified? Would it be justified if it's a superstar quarterback who doesn't have the number of Super Bowls? Is it justified? If it was not a quarterback, is it justified? That's the question that I'm asking. I'm not saying that it 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 it, it, it it's a, a difference because of this, that, and the third. I'm just merely asking the question: Is it because of his okay, Super Bowls? Okay, take is a it because position. That is, is it take because a position. of position? So what no, do I'm you think? I'm asking the question, but I'm asking okay, the question. Okay, the answer. What do you think? Me personally, what, I, yes, I'm in, position. I'm, my position is this. I'm in agreement with, with Dr. Tran. If you're going to let Tom Brady get away with it, let everybody else get away with it. If you're going to let Tom Brady say this, that, and the third, then why can't other folks be as passionate? Because that's the, the, the one phrase I always hear with Brady. It's his passion. It's his passion. Well, there's a whole bunch of other players out in the NFL that carry the same type of passion that Brady has. So why does he get the pass, but everybody else is looked at as as being someone that's being a detriment to the team? That That's why I was asking the question, because I'm trying to understand why is it so different. Yeah, but I, my point is, don't give a shit what the question is. I want your position on it. The answer, you gave the answer. That's what I'm looking for from us here, is we need to be given answers. Everybody else ask questions. We need to be given answers, and, and thank you for giving the answer. The answer is, it ain't okay. It don't matter how many Super Bowls Brady has. It don't matter how accomplished he is. It don't matter what position he plays. It doesn't. When Des Bryant gets, gets chastised, who is a superstar, whether we can, we can agree or not to, you know, how effective he's been on the field, we, everyone has to admit he's one of the highest played wide receivers in the game. He's a superstar, okay? And he also set the Cowboys record for Super Bowls. You know, franchise record. Congratulations, Des. And he gets chastised because he has an outburst based on the cameras, and they have to go to NFL Films to get the audio tape where he actually just said, come on, guys, we can do this. We can make this play. We can make this happen. But because the guy in the sky was looking, it looked like he was, he was that nigga. That's what it looked like. It looked like he was that mm-hmm. nigga on the sideline. That's what it looked mm-hmm. like. And that's what drives me crazy. But when Tom Brady does it, and he's going crazy, it's passion. Tom Brady, he's won all these Super Bowls, and he's the greatest of all times. And, and I'm a little surprised that K-Star didn't go there. That's why I started with K-Star, because your boy came out and said, why is it okay for Tom Brady, but it ain't okay for me? I'm goat chasing. What's, what, what's the difference? Antonio Brown's a superstar, best, best receiver in the game. And he gets chastised for having passion on the sidelines. Odell Beckham gets chastised. Now, okay, Odell might have, you know, the whole proposal <laughs> to the dad. Yeah, that part, Odell went a little went a little far on the, you know, the, the thing with the net. He was I, I read you the, the net, yeah. <laughs> that, that was a bit much. I, I, okay, I, I, I backtrack on that one. But my point is, is, and yes, and, you know, I watch all the shows. I don't agree with many of them. 
But I will, I will agree with Stephen A. Smith. They call him Screaming A. You know, because mm-hmm. because you know, he has passion. But I'm sorry, I watched Skip Bayless, who they were on the same show for many years together. You ever see Skip Bayless mm-hmm. doing one of his soliloquies about the Cowboys or about Tom Brady oh or anti-LeBron? Yeah. You ever hear him? Why ain't he screaming? Why is it passion when it's Skip Bayless? It doesn't rhyme very Stephen well. Screaming, yeah, well, yeah, that's true. You're right. It, 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 I like Jamie Foxx, yeah. Cleveland A. Smith. It cracks me up. Cleveland A. Smith. <laughs> or Jay Farrell, when he does it, and he makes up the big words, and Stephen A. Smith, and the dutification of the situation is, you know, it's just funny shit. It's funny. But anyway, yep. Yep. Yeah, it, it is a so- problem for me. As a black man who's also very outspoken, who's also very passionate, it's 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 a problem for me that Brady gets a pass because he's Tom Brady, and he shouldn't get a pass. Wrong is wrong. Bill O'Brien, just don't ready to play. The only thing to ask people is, if you believe that, which to me is legitimate, don't be mad at Brady though. If you believe that the reason why no, that I, it, there's a double standard is the risk, I, I just want to make sure people aren't mad at Brady because I, I hear people kind of like like side this Brady. So don't sneak this him. Like just well, that, yeah, but does Brady come that, on that, after? That, yeah, but does Brady come but, on after and own it? Does Brady come on after as as one of the faces of the NFL, as the greatest of all time in his to. position? He doesn't wait, need wait, wait, to wait, wait, because wait, they don't ask wait, him those wait, questions. Sure they do, and he That's said, "Oh, problem. it was." Okay. No, 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 they do ask him. I saw the interview. And he was like, oh, no, it was just football. And five minutes later, we were fine. We were, you know, it, it was no big deal. He doesn't come on and say, you know what, you know, I, my temper got away from me a little bit. And, you know, I got to remember, you know, he is the offensive coordinator. And, you know, it's not okay for me to act that way. I never hear Brady say that. Never. Well, I, you know, if he did, if he did though, you, you know what's going to happen. There's going to be a huge story about it in Firestorm. The Patriots in general, they just train their players to try to minimize any type of blowback as much as possible. So I think that's probably why. I can only imagine the headlines. Brady concedes he, you know, uh, uh, has anger issues. Like, that's what, that's what they do in the media. Concedes that he was wrong well, I, and he made I don't a mistake. I, 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 let me jump in real quick. I, my, my, I'm not even upset. With Brady, I don't even care if he comes back on to explain anything. I'm just more annoyed with, and it's not even, it's not even, it's the, the people that 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 makes it, that have this that have this perception that creates that creates this double standard. It's not even, it's not even, it's not the players or even the coaches. It's the freaking media that does this. It's it's those it's the two bit analysts that do this that create this. This this perception or this of, of of black players like they're hostile on the sidelines when they just simply want to win when they simply want their team to execute it in practice. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> I don't even care if Tom Brady says anything to explain himself. I I I give a damn about that altogether. I'm more annoyed with the fact it's the media that created this perception. Yeah, but Trey, I want I want both, and here's why. When Cam Newton gets up there and there's an issue and he's interviewed, he shows no remorse. Mm-hmm. Zero. Okay? He shows no remorse. And 
I, I, I have to, and I blasted Cam Newton as much as I blasted any quarterback on the show. I want Cam Newton as a leader to understand how to act as a leader. And if he's wrong, I want him to get up there and take the heat and not be and not be a coward and not be a punk about it. And so if I'm holding Cam Newton to that standard, then you're damn right I'm holding Tom Brady to the same standard. You had an outburst on the sideline. You're questioning about it. Own it. Don't just dismiss it and sweep it under the rug because you're Tom Brady and you come from the Bill Belichick well, school well, of post-game interviews. We're on to the next game. We're on to the next game. This is a little bit of a false equivalency, though, because yes, it is. Because Cam, hold on, no, because it's different. Because with Cam, with 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 Cam, it's in the middle of the press conferences. He kind of draws attention to himself by the way he reacts in those press conferences. It's not necessarily what he does on the sideline. It's it's, it's how he, I mean how he walked away. He walked away from quoting him a few times. And that's you're that's absolutely that, that's bad judgment. I'm not wrong. And let me finish, please, because you cut off a few people already earlier. So let me finish my point. I'm going to keep talking but until I, I finish it. And, and here's the thing with Brady. <laughs> and here's the thing with Brady. Is with Cam Newton. Well, there's no reason. Y'all still talking. But you're trying to correct my point. You can't correct my point. point. If you make a different point, then don't correct my point because he does do it on the sideline, too. He is animated on the sideline. He does on the sideline, too. I get it. You can't say I'm doing on the sideline. Absolutely incorrect. He doesn't get heat like that from the sideline stuff. He gets heat for how he reacts in press conferences, and you're one of the biggest people that come after him for it. He gets heat from what he does on the sidelines. What do you talk? Do you, we watch the same sport? Yeah, the only gets- thing that which Cam celebrates with his team, just as other players celebrate with his team. But what happens with Cam and you? Again, you're the one who you're part of the media in this regard because you call them out on this all the time. Is you call him out for his lack of maturity with his responses and how he conducts himself uh, in those post-game conferences because he's going to answer questions professionally to your standard. I have all – well, no, not my standards, to what, what a leader should do, what Drew Brees does, um, Ben Roethlisberger does, and what Kate Manning does. And I, you want me to go on and on? Not my standards, what has been established by the great quarterbacks in the NFL. That's the standard I'm looking at. I don't play pro football. It ain't my standard. It's what we see. But I also commented on his sideline antics when he dipped and dabbed and the game wasn't over. I've called him out for that. I've also commented how he goes to the, sits on the bench with a long face when they're getting whooped. So, no, it's not just the press conference. It's what he's done on the sideline. And I want – I didn't say he did. What I'm saying is, as the leader of the team, if your sideline behavior is questioned and it's wrong, then you get up and own it, is my point. And when Brady went off on the uh, offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels, he was wrong, period. When Cam Newton sits on the sideline pouting like he lost his best friend instead of being the leader of his he's wrong. And when you're questioned about it, don't deflect. Stand up and take it and just, hey, you know what? You know, I had a bad game, and yeah, you know, I let it get to me a little bit, but you know, we're moving on, and I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to, yeah, whatever, whatever. You know what to say? You only up to three minutes, and I'm saying they all need to own it, is what I'm saying. Especially a Brady or a Cam Newton, faces of the NFL. They are held to a higher standard than, you know, what's his name in Cleveland? The, the, what's his name? The Kaiser? You know, Kaiser. Kaiser, yeah. He don't even know, I don't even know his name. What's his name? You know, the uh, they're, yeah. they're held to a high. Now we're on the Patriots. Um, Grant got suspended for 
one game for his hit. Uh, start with you, JB. Is that enough? Should he not have gotten suspended? Should it be longer? What are your thoughts on the Gronk suspension? Well, the one thing that K-Star did say earlier in this discussion that I do agree with is that some of the inconsistencies of the NFL um, go back to what he mentioned about A.J. Green and Shallon is in an undertaker, which was hilarious, by the way. Um, and nothing really happened, just a fine, if I remember correctly. And then you have something like this occur where it was blatant, it was afterwards, um, dude got a concussion. And, and, and let me also say this, it doesn't matter if he got a concussion or not. It was well after the play, you could have done some serious damage. So one game suspension, I don't think it was enough. I would have done two or three because we're always talking about the safety of the players. We're always talking about CTE. We're always talking about trying to make things uh, safer. Uh, it's a violent game. We're trying to make it a little bit safer. So to do something like that and only get a game, no, nah, I'm sorry. I think two or three games would have been good. Okay. Does anybody disagree with JP? I, I don't disagree. I just simply like to add, uh, when they said that he was appealing, I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, I was like, I mean, that, but that's you're, job, you're, you're, I, you, you know what you did. I, I did, but I'm just saying, you know what you did, and you appeal it, you feeling it, but you know what you did. It said, I, I, um, I don't know. I just feel like sometimes as players is in the wrong. Dude, take your punishment. Damn. You know what yeah, you did. But 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 train that there's a precedent set because. You once you do that, you open up a can of worms. So no matter how I, I don't, you may I, be, I don't agree. I, I I I simply do not just agree with that. That you just open up a can of worms. You know what you did. In some cases, yeah, you gotta accept the suspension. Just appealing, just for the because you you can appeal. I, no, yeah. I thought it was a joke for him to appeal for 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 what he actually did because that was a flat out black right I mean, I'm, I'm, it doesn't surprise, it doesn't surprise me at all that he, he'd appeal it because that's what it's there for. No matter how guilty he is, that's what they're going to do. There should have been more games, and, and quite frankly, they could, I wish they'd just say well, appeal denied before they can even do the appeal. That'd be nice, but I don't even think that's in their bylaws to be able to do something well, like I, that. But sometimes the appeal comes from the Players Association, so um, I don't have a real issue with the appeal, and it got, you know, his suspension got upheld. What I will say, the difference between – Gronkowski and A.J. Green is, um, if you watch the tape, AJ, the guy pushed A.J. Green, and then A.J. Green went did the takedown. Um, and this guy's laying on the ground, defenseless. And, you know, um, Gronkowski just, just jumps on him. Um, I, I think it's one of the most dirtiest plays I've ever seen because the guy's already lying on the ground. And you just jump on him from behind like that. And Gronk ain't small. Gronk is, what, 6'7", 260, 270. And he's got that big club on his on his arm. Um, completely agree with Jay. Minimum three games should have been suspended. Three games. Minimum. And if they had said more, I would have been okay with it. Because it's just, it, it, you know, we, we talked about Pittsburgh and Cincinnati and the bad blood and all of that um, and the history. But this year was just... And if you watch, if you watch, um, he complains that the guy was tugging on him. And he did tug on him and all that. It's what happens. I mean, dude, you're a veteran. You're not a rookie. This is part of football. 
You're six seven. The guy's six feet one ninety. You're six seven two seventy. Yeah, he's gonna push on you, tug on you, try to cover you. The refs either call it or they don't. That ain't his fault. If he can get away with it, he can get away with it. But then afterwards, you could see him like just get all worked up and then just jump on it. Watch it. He gets all animated and then he just jumps on him and clubs him from behind. There's no there's no room for that. I lost a lot of re- I used I really like Gronkowski. I've seen him and his brothers. They did a thing on Shark Tank, and you know he just seems like a fun-loving guy, and he loves football. And I felt bad for him when he, you know, the injuries he's had, and so much talent. And you know when he's healthy, he's the best best tight end in the game when he's healthy. Um, but I just lost a lot of respect for that. That I just didn't like that at all. I mean, you, you could have snapped the guy's neck. You could have. There's a lot of things that could have went wrong. You know, and if you do that outside of the NFL stadium, you're going to jail. That's assault. You know, because that's not in the act. That's not during the play. Play's over. Ball's dead. Guy's laying on the ground. And you go and just take a cheap shot, a very cheap shot like that. I, I just, I, I hated it. I, I, I agree with Jay. Should have been three. I would say minimum three games. Um, and you know, and I think one of the things, you know, if you're making you know, Gronkowski is making $228,000 a game. That's what he's making, okay? So he will lose $228,000 um, his next game. So if you take Gronkowski, let's just say, you know, a guy's making, you know, $200,000 a game or $150,000 a game, and you find them $25,000, and these guys are making, you know, Des Bryant makes $14 million a year. Um, you know, I think the fine has to hurt. You know, if, 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 if I make 100 grand and I make a mistake and someone finds me 100 bucks, is it going to hurt? How many times do we pay, like, we'll pay this ticket? Because, you know what, eh, you know, I could go fight it, but I don't have time. I got to take time off from work. Blah, blah, blah. What's the ticket? $129. Ah, heck, I'll just pay it, right? Because it doesn't hurt enough. If the ticket was $2,000, oh, you damn right, I'm going to court to fight this, right? I think they need to talk about um, trying to deter this future behavior. I think they need to rethink these fines, and I think they need to raise these fines to where they really hurt. You know, forget twenty-five or fifty thousand dollars of someone making, you know, ten million dollars a year. You know, Kirk Cousins making twenty-four million dollars this year. Forget it. You know, make it so that it hurts. Find somebody half a million dollars for, you know, a, a cheap shot like Gronkowski. Find him half a million. Suspend him and then hit him with a half a million dollar fine. I bet he never does it again. Perfect. That that's better. Fine. Um, just good to jump into. Because I was yep. about to say, well, the fine is one thing, but when you take a player off the field, that's where you hurt him the most. Because now they can't both. help out their brothers. So you do both together. You don't not only fine them, but you suspend them also. That'll get folks' attention when you do that. Oh, yeah, do both. I, I'm okay with I'm okay with that. I'm okay with doing both. But I think yeah. I think when when you you know, okay, so he's going to miss a game, which he's not going to like. He's going to lose a couple hundred thousand dollars, which he's not going to like. Um, but I think when you look at someone, and maybe, and, and, and let me just amend it. If it's a first offense, okay, fine. Everybody's allowed to strike. Everybody makes a mistake. But if it's a second offense, like a perfect, or, or some of these guys that, you know, have had repeat 
you know, ejections and, you know, flags, oh, I think you got to go to town on them. I think you got to go to town on them. I think it's got to hurt. And I think some of these penalties, they just don't hurt. They don't hurt enough. So, anywho. Um, so, K-Star, there's a lot of talk about Russell Wilson being an MVP candidate. And when you look around the league and you ask some of the people in the know, they say that Tom Brady, Carson Wentz, Russell Westbrook are kind of the top three um, MVP candidates. Um, I'm asking you this question. Do you feel that Ben or Antonio are being slighted in the MVP discussion? I feel Antonio's being slighted. Ben's had his up and downs this year, but one guy who's been <laughs> um, nothing but absolutely consistent is AB, and he's, you know, unfortunately he's a victim of his position in this MVP race because, you know, quarterbacks obviously are, are uh, you know, the, those who pretty much always win every year, so it's pretty much always a quarterback. You know, but the thing is, I mean, when you look at, teams and, and what they value in terms of salary cap and contracts, you know, it's, it's quarterbacks and it's receivers, you know, it's, it's, and so on and so forth. So receivers are very valuable in their own right. You know, quarterbacks and receivers need to work together for, uh, for, for on-field success. If you have a quarterback, it's likely that, you know, he has some good receivers if they're in the MVP discussion, which, you know, I think, I think, you know, Brady certainly does. Carson certainly does. And Russell does to a degree. You know, but the thing with Antonio is, it's okay. If not now, then when? And if if you're telling me that's impossible for a receiver to win MVP, then you know, I, I think that people need to open up their boundaries and expand what they feel or, or what MVP really means, because there have been significant and probably five or six instances I can think of this season alone where Antonio Brown has made plays in the fourth quarter for us to win the game. Um, you, I mean, how, a couple nights ago, the, the catch that he held on to on Monday night, the great sideline catches he made against Green Bay, uh, against Kansas City, he made that ridiculous uh, deflected catch with one hand and, and, and ran it in for a touchdown, like time and time again. And, you know, if you have a guy who's going to shatter or, or uh, go over 1,700 yards uh, this season, you know, have 120 catches, have all the stats that you could dream of, and also, def- you know, be the clutch performer on this team that's, 10 and two. And I mean, I don't know if, you know, Antonio Brown arguably could be the best player in the NFL. Like, you know, it's a short list. He, he has to be in top five discussion. I don't know if those other guys necessarily are. And I understand that it's a question about most valuable, but he meets and checks both of those boxes. So at what point do we consider a wide receiver? And again, if not now, then when? So yes, he slided. And I'm, it's annoying. Dion brought this up too, by the way. Dion, Dion said he thinks that, you know, Antonio needs to get consideration for MVP. Uh, Dion needs to shut up. Dion, 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 just, Dion, just, well, Dion, he's right, he's right on this one. Dion. Yeah, he, I mean, it broke clocks right twice a day, so he's right on this one. He's wrong so much. I, 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 you know, Dion Sanders is one of my favorite NFL players of all time. You know, when I look at my favorite players, you know, Dion is right up there. I love me some T.O., you know, uh, Ray Lewis, love me some Ray Lewis. Um, but, as an analyst, he's terrible. He's so biased. He's so 
I, I, I don't like them. I just don't at all. I watch, you know, I generally watch uh, after the the Sunday night football, and I, I watch, um, you know, they, they do the recap, him and, and LT and their hosts, and I listen to his comments on stuff, and um, I, I just, I think he's terrible. I really do. I think he's terrible. I, you know, and he may be right on this one, but I think he's terrible. I wish he would just, you know, go into coaching well, or something. I, I think he's terrible. Well, I mean, what do you think just, in terms of the Antonio Brown argument? Well, I, I think the problem you have is the fact that it is hard for a wide receiver because you do, you're so quarterback reliable, you know, where, you know, where a running back, for instance, gets the ball and then has to figure it out. You know, the wide receiver is dependent on a quarterback to, you know, make the right read, make the right throw, and then it's up to the wide receiver, obviously, to make the catch and do what he's got to do. So I think it's an uphill battle. But that said, um, you know, if there was going to be ever a wide receiver outside of a Jerry Rice to be considered for NFL MVP, I mean, it'd have to be Antonio Brown. He would have to be. You know, and frankly, I think if you're asking me, I think Tom Brady is the MVP in the NFL right now. Um, I don't think Carson Wentz is. I just don't. I mean, I saw the game last week. And, you know, when you look at what Philly has done this year, um, it's not as impressive as the record shows, you know. And, and I think sometimes you've got to dig a little deeper. I mean, they beat the Redskins twice. Okay. They beat the Giants. They only beat them by three points. They beat the Chargers, who are now making a run by two points. They beat the Cardinals, under 500 team. They beat the 49ers, need I say more. They beat the Broncos, need I say more. They beat the Bears, sorry, Train, need I say more. And they beat the Cowboys without Zeke. Now, they can't control their schedule, but when you're looking at an MVP, I'm not impressed with that. You know? So I, I wouldn't, Carson Wentz wouldn't get my vote. I don't think Seattle. It's just, you know, maybe by the end of the season I'll feel differently, but right now, no. Um, Tom Brady, yeah. Tom Brady, once again, he's, he's a little LeBron James of football. He does it every year, and so it's a given. You're, you're not impressed anymore by Tom Brady because he does it every year. So it's like, of course, it's Tom Brady. So my two, I would say Tom Brady, and yeah, I'd go with Antonio Brown. I, I would put him in that discussion. He's just... He's just that good, and he's that much better than every wide receiver in the game right now. And he's that valuable to his team. I mean, you take him off the, off the Steelers, take him off, the, put, take him off the field last night. Do you guys beat Cincinnati? Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. You and there's so many, game, so many games this year we would have lost if we didn't have them, honestly. It's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, so I have to, I have to agree. Anybody else have any thoughts on NFL MVP? Is, is anyone willing to give any v, MVP uh, votes to Case Keenum? Nope. Nah. <laughs> nah, bro. <laughs> and he's playing good. I don't want to <laughs> disperse Case Keenum, but, I mean, nah. He's just like, nah, 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 bro, nah. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I would just, I would just, just add, um, and it's kind of, not fully regurgitate what you guys say. I would just love to see MVP not be a quarterback for a change. I know how mm. important they are to the game. But the scale is so lopsided for them to pick that quarterback. 
and I know. I, I would just love to be like, hey, an MVP this season is something, some other position other than a quarterback. If it wasn't such yeah. a quarterback-driven league, absolutely. Absolutely. But because we're in that period where the quarterback is the one with the halo, and then you also take into account all the rules are, are basically catered toward making sure the quarterback stays upright. So if someone were to be a non-quarterback that's going to be an MVP, they'd have to have an outstanding, standout type of year that absolutely separates them from everyone else. If it's a, if it's a running back, they'd have to break the single-season rushing record. If it's a wide receiver, have to break the single-season yards, uh, single-season receptions, and touchdowns. But that's my problem with the thing because they make they make MVP stat driven and MVP should not be stat driven. It's not offensive player of the year. It's not defensive player of the year. It's most valuable player of the year. The oh, value to your team. So that's that's my issue with it. Yeah, and and, and I agree with you hundred percent. It's just so that the fact is, it is a quarterback driven league with rules catered to the quarterback. So when you have that taken into account, plus you have pretty decent quarterbacks out there on top of all that, it makes it hard for someone to break through that glass ceiling to actually come through and be an MVP of the year. Well, I mean, an easy example of this is last season, 2016. I'm sorry, MVP last year to me, and, yeah, call me a homer, Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. And who won? Matt Ryan. Now, the Cowboys were 13-3, and three, number one seed. Ezekiel Elliott has shown that he is a freak of nature. There's only one other back you can even put in his conversation, in my opinion, and that's Bell. And, frankly, I think in the next year or two, Zeke's going to – sorry, K-Star, I think now on nah, this one, I, gotta, I think Zeke's <laughs> going to rise, and he's going to be he's gonna no. be the class of the NFL for running backs. Um, but you know, time will tell. But I, I really do believe Zeke's gonna—he's gonna rise above everybody. But um, last year he should have been an NFL MVP, and he wasn't. They gave it to Matt Ryan. You know, so so there, here's your example of how quarterback centric this league is. You know, and he was a rookie. They weren't gonna give a rookie M- MVP award. wasn't gonna happen. Nah. Unless broke the record. You know what's crazy? You know what's crazy, by the way, is um. I'm looking at this now, and so I'm just making a quick case for outside of what we've all seen time and time again this year. Dude has 40, 40 receptions in the fourth quarter, 414 yards, four touchdowns, and has been a part of six game-winning drives. Like, it, 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 I mean, you know, again, 400 of his 12 uh, of his 1300. So, I mean, you know, obviously he's Antonio Brown taking plays first, second, third quarter. We all know that, but the fact of the matter is he's he's Literally winning games for the Steelers. We're ten and two. I mean, a lot of these games are tight games. Rise is blowing people out the water, and he he's, he keeps he keeps doing it for us, you know. And I would hate to see us go down or lose Antonio Brown because we would be a much 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 different team. And sure, a lot of teams would say they're about their best player, but I mean, damn, like I don't know what he needs to do. He's on pace for seventeen hundred yards this year, and uh, you know, like a, his his stats are there. You know, train. I know you said that that's not always important, but I think that. When it comes to a different position, in this case, it's going to need to be some massive statistical season that, in order to grab, you know, the attention uh, to begin with uh, outside of quarterback. And I think that you know Antonio delivers that, but also he 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 he's been clutch 
you know, part of a great team, uh, ten and two, and he's been the the large contributor, in my opinion, after watching every single snap this year. Mm-hmm. Dude, it just it just feels yeah. like MVP is reserved for quarterback, and as a consolation prize, all other positions, yeah, we'll give you offensive player of the year. <laughs> right, <laughs> silly right. man. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> It is, and 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 Jay, Jay makes the point. I mean, I think Adrian Peterson was MVP, but he ran over two thousand yards. I mean, you've got to do so much extra when you're not a quarterback to get consideration, and you know, you know, something that they should consider. But at the same time, there is no, there is no more, more. It is the most important position on the field, and it is the position that does the most on the field, offense and defense. So, it, I mean, you, you kind of can't have it both ways. And, and T, to back up that point, I'm glad you brought up uh, Adrian Peterson. He had to come back from a torn ACL to actually have the 2,000-yard season to actually get the MVP, if I'm not mistaken. So, well, you have on that, top of, add, add that onto the mix, and that's why he got it. Well, on top of that, though, if you consider the season that he got 2,000 yards, like literally he was all Minnesota had. Like, yep. they had no offense but AP. And so yep. he was in a position where if he didn't run like that, Minnesota didn't win. That's yep. what I'm the value, yeah, the yards and everything was there, but the value was also there. Right. And so I feel right. there's other players who are given that same value, but because their stats are not so gouty, they're being overlooked because so much is driven by the quarterback. Yeah, because you know, with, with it, Peterson being a running back, that's not one to catch the ball out of the backfield. That helps pad yeah. his, his individual stats. If he was a Zeke or if he was a Le'Veon Bell where you're catching the ball out of the backfield, that helps pad the quarterback stats. You see what I mean? So that makes it even more impressive for Peterson. You know, Jay, when you mentioned Case Keenum, it made me think back to an old interview with The Rock where uh, Al Snow was there. <laughs> And and he said, do you think I'm going to lose a match to a guy named Al? And I'm thinking, ain't no way in hell NFL is going to give MVP to somebody named Case? Our NFL NBC is. You know? Yeah. Nah. Weren't you out there yeah. wrestling somebody named Hoover, dude? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, so, and uh, TMV power rankings. Um, uh, let's see. Number five, the Saints. Number four, the Vikings. Number three, the Eagles. Number two, the Steelers. Number one, the Patriots. My only question is, K-Star had the Eagles over the Steelers. I almost, I, I, I'll, I can't, I can't, I'm, I'm. I don't know who you are, K-Star. Who the hell are you? What is your name? You know, like, I, excuse me? Prize Steelers was number one after this week, man. Exactly. You know, I mean, I'm just being being honest, being real. I mean, Philly, they are you really? a tough spot. Yeah, I'm being real. Uh, Philly, so, you know, Philly and, and Pittsburgh have – I can't believe I'm arguing against the Steelers. What the hell's going on? <laughs> That's, the end. Um, That's what I'm screaming. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in a yeah, twilight zone right now. I yeah, wish I had some you know, twilight looking at it, play. <laughs> looking at it objectively, though, you know, we keep winning these really close games against, you know, sometimes uh, opponents that we probably should be beating a little bit more. And the thing is, where defense lately, last few weeks, has been torched 
we really need Joe Hayden to return. Uh, and honestly, you know, Philly, they, they just came off a t- tough ass to win at Seattle. Like, no team has won the past two or three years at primetime at Seattle. That's so can't really hold that against them. They have the same record as Pittsburgh. But that's not true. Like, what? You say, or did you say you you put an emphasis on primetime? Because there have definitely been teams that have won in Seattle. Yeah, and I, I said primetime. Okay. Um, and, you know, again, tough spot. You know, it, you can't really blame them for losing there. Uh, maybe Cowboy fans yeah, can because they need them to win. Cowboy fans need them to win. But it's not too much of a surprise, <laughs> again, given the ask. And, you know, they still have the same record as Pittsburgh. And I still feel like Philadelphia's had a better season. Again, I mean, we've had some really close games against teams that aren't so great, whereas they've been, you know, kind of just a wrecking crew for most of the season. Um, and this is one of the last time I want to argue against Pittsburgh because I feel, frankly, I feel uncomfortable doing it. So. Yeah, you should, man. I don't know who you are, man. I, I don't know who you yeah. are right now. I'm, I am totally disillusioned right now. Hey. I don't, I don't hey. know who you are. I don't know who this hey, is. Hey, T, I know you and, I know you and JB remember, uh, you know, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. All I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm serious. I'm serious. All I'm, I'm You know what? I, and and K-Star and I have agreed more on this show than the whole season put together. I don't know what's going on, but I don't like it. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't like it. But I'll just say this. I'll just say this. I still take Dak over Russell Wilson. I think Russell Wilson is having no. a great season. But. I'm sticking by my boy Dak. I think um, uh, they made some changes. Win MVP. <clears throat> he ain't mm-hmm. damn MVP. He ain't winning no MVP. Just let what? that go. He ain't winning Why? no MVP. Over Tom Brady? Over Tom Brady. Really? It's tough, uh, but I mean, it, it can, I mean there's, still, there's still so much football left. Let's, let's let it play out. But if, if Seattle finds a way to win the division, you know, and, and finishes a, a top – uh, two or three seed. I mean, he absolutely deserves consideration. I mean, he's lost so many players around him. They, they've been through like five running backs this year. Like, they they lost Richard Sherman. You know, they lost really big players. They lost Cliff Averill. Like, See, this wait, is wait, a different wait, 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 version. Wait, wait, this is a wait, different wait, version wait, of Seattle slow, slow, than we've seen slow, before. Slow down, slow down, slow down. Yes, you're right. They've lost, but did you see how that defense played against Philly? I mean, yes. there's one thing yeah. to say that lost players, and then you look at that front seven. Maybe the secondary yeah. ain't quite what it used to be, but that defense played solid against Philly. So let's it let's is. give credit where credit is due. I, I know, but I also saw Russell play too, and he looked terrific. He yeah, he's six. playing good. He's playing good, absolutely. But you know, I, I mean, and the other guy that we're not even putting in this conversation, I think deserves consideration is Drew Brees. You know, we get we get put to sleep by these guys because they do it every year. And so we just expect Drew Brees throws. He's going to throw for 4,500, 5,000 yards. The only quarterback in NFL history to do it more than once. But, eh, not a big deal. No one expected with the defense that they've had in the past. No one expected. They finished last in their division last year. And the running game. Now, yeah, well, yeah, they got a great well, running game. But they, got, they have a, they have a great credit monster. But Brees is still playing at an MVP level. With no, with no wide receiver, never, and that's the thing. He's he's never stopped really playing at an MVP level, even when they were getting, even when their record didn't show it. So he's one that honestly, you could have had him in the running last year, the year before, because the dude never stopped showing, stops throwing shy of five thousand yards. 
the problem is that I don't care how bad the team is doing, he never stops throwing. That dude is a freaking stat king. He is. I've had him as my fantasy quarterback. (laughs) So it's just – that's that's why I'm looking at, like – Exactly. So that's why I'm looking at, like, this MVP. Like, man, let's get to the V of the MVP. (laughs) MV, most valuable to the success of your team. Yeah. Yeah, I, I uh that's why I think I think Breeze should be in the discussion. You know, I think it's someone that you get if you're gonna tell me if you're gonna tell me Carson Wentz is in the discussion, then you gotta put Drew Brees in there. You gotta put, you know, Jared Goff in there. I mean there's these these guys are lighting it up and their teams are you know, these their teams are all in contention to not only win their division but to especially with Philly losing, they're all within a game of being a number one seed. They're all right there fighting so- for that number one seed. So T just to just to just to throw a wrinkle in there, I understand the stats ain't ain't are not gouty, but you know one of the successes uh, it comes to the Saints the record that's a is is their is their running backs. But see, yep. one of them it's it's hard to really give it to one of them because the stats are not really there. But their running backs are like balling out of control. I mean, Alvin Kamara coming in as a rookie, oh, yeah, he'll God. be looked at as rookie of the year, but. You won't get, you won't you won't consider him MVP consideration when you know they're doing well because they're able to run the ball run the ball really well and their defense is playing definitely better than what it has in the past. Way better. Yeah. 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 But here's yeah. here's the thing. Yes. And and when you look at again, let me go back to Zeke last year, sixteen hundred plus yards, and you look at these guys are playing great football, but it's more part of a scheme, and so. I, I think that's why they'll, there's no way that you can – and there's two of them back there. You know what I mean? So there's no way to <laughs> yes, separate that, that also makes one it tough, from yes. the other. Yeah, um, where, where a guy like Zeke carried the load, Bell carries the load, you know, David Johnson, when he's healthy, carries the load. These guys are carrying the ball 20, 25 times a game, coming out of the backfield four to six times a game, 30 touches a game, putting up 150 all-purpose yards a game. And if the team is doing well, then you got to say, wow – you know, are are they someone that you want to look at? Which is why I say Zeke last year should have been should have been considered. Um, but this year, there's two guys doing that over there. And then when you've got Hall of Famer Drew Brees back there throwing to nobody, but still, you know, I don't, I don't have his numbers in front of me, but we know he'll go over four thousand yards. It is just a given. Four thousand. He does that. He does that. When he wakes up in the morning, it's four thousand. He he ain't happy till he hits five thousand. I mean, it's it's just it's incredible what they've done. And, um, uh, you know, I just think he's someone that should be considered. And I, I think my last comment on this would be, I wish I w- part of me is glad to see different names, but then part of me feels like don't punish the guys that have set a standard so high that they're performing at this level every year. Don't punish them. You know, if they're that damn good every year, like Michael Jordan was in his heyday, you know, then if mm-hmm. someone deserves to be, you know, Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, if we go over to basketball, uh, LeBron Me James, LeBron. if someone deserves yep. didn't, didn't yes, give it to I, him. I agree. Yeah. yeah. There was one other thing I wanted to say before. Oh, last thing before we get out of here. JB, I want, I, want to, I, want to, I want to give you kudos, man, and I want you to take a minute to um, – actually, you know, you know I'm going to play my feel-good song because um, I can. Oh, I want to get some uh, ragged. And some rolls and, and reason my 
Right now in his house is doing the Bill Cosby dance. Every time I play that, he gets up and does the Bill Cosby <laughs> dance. Just letting you know. Um, JB. There you go. Uh, <laughs> JB, you said a couple weeks ago that the team most likely uh, to win in their division to fall from grace would be the Kansas City Chiefs. And give you a minute to talk about how it appears that <laughs> they are falling from grace. Well, you know, thank you, sir. And it was actually almost a, a full month to the day. It was November the 7th on this show that I said that. And I, here's what made me believe that was going to be the case. Um, a couple of, well, actually a few things. One, I wanted to pick the one that was far-fetched, seemed out of reach, and that seemed like the best one. But more scientifically is this. Eric Berry was lost very early in the season, if I'm not mistaken, the first or second game of the season. And I think I said on this very same show, it may not show up in the first game or two, but it's going to show up as the season progresses because, like we already know, it's a copycat league. Everybody watches tape. Everybody checks for deficiencies. And when you start to have those things come about and you lose your enforcer and your secondary, it's, it's a recipe for disaster. You add to the mix that you're not playing well on defense, and then even though Kareem Hunt is having an outstanding uh, rookie season, can't seem to generate the kind of offense that you need when you need to. Case in point with this past game against the Jets, offense finally wakes up, but the defense lets them down. And in past games, the defense has been stepping up. Offense lets them down. They never play a, a full, complete game of football. And I started to see some of that happening and, and started to rear the ugly head. So that's why I had picked them. And then Alex Smith, too. I'm sorry, he's still a game manager. And, and I know – Folks don't like to use that term. Some do, some don't. But he's he's a game manager. And the things that he was doing in the beginning of the season, he wasn't doing anymore. Taking the top off the defense, that wasn't happening. Uh, getting more into the dink and dunk, which will cause the teams to pretty much stack the deck against them, three and out. Now you're making the defense put in more work than they have to. So it's a constant double-edged sword that's been happening with them, and that's why this slide has continued to – to uh, creep upon them, and, and I don't see it stopping. Uh, you got the Chargers now. You got the Raiders playing good football. They're only a game back. Um, I, excuse me, not a game back. It, technically, they're all tied for first, but the Chiefs hold the tiebreaker, so that's why they're they're in the driver's seat right now. But that division has gone from being the Chiefs hands down to being completely up for grabs, and the Chiefs had nobody to blame but themselves. You know, one thing I just want to add um, – is something that I've said consistently. Um, you know, I know Andy Reid from his days of coaching Philly. Um, Philly for several years was the best team in the NFC. Five years in a row, Donovan McNabb and the Eagles uh, went to the NFC Championship game five years in a row, and they lost four out of those five, and Andy Reid was the coach. Andy Reid, he, 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 when, when crunch time comes, he fails. 
And I've said that, and I stick by it, and I think that's the one part of this that, that Jay didn't include is, yep, everything else he, you said is right on point, but they also, you know, Andy Reid is just not the coach to take you to the promised land. He hasn't done it, and, you know, I believe that, you know, history is your guide. <laughs> you know, he's been coaching for a long time, a long time. And uh, I think this year will be Andy Reid's last year as the head coach of the Chiefs. You know, we, we saw this a couple of years ago. We argued on this show about the Chiefs. K started and believe in them, but Train and I said, but right now, you know, they're 9-1 and one or 9-0 and oh or whatever it was. So you don't got to believe in them, but their record, you know, Bill Parcells, you are what your record is, right? And then down the stretch, they collapsed, <laughs> you know, and um, I don't even know if they made the playoffs that year. I don't even remember, but they collapsed down the stretch, and Andy Reid was the coach, and Alex Smith was the quarterback. Um, you know, I will say it. Till the cows come home. You want to look at a successful team? Look at the head coach and look at the quarterback. Start right there. First place to look at. Look at Minnesota. Teddy Bridgewater, Bridgewater is healthy and ready to go, but this boy balling over there. Of course, he'll never be MVP with a name like Case, but he's balling right now. <laughs> right? So, so they're going to stick with him because he's balling. And Zimmer, you know, having – Roots with Dallas and having, you know, seen uh, Troy Aikman and, 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 you know, good quarterback play. He knows what good quarterback look like. He's like, you know what, this boy balling, we're going to keep him there. So, I, I, I good call, JB. Completely, you know, kudos to you on that one. And um, I don't think they'll win the division. I think right now um, San Diego looks like <laughs> they look tough. You know, I don't really believe in the Raiders either. I, I think San Diego might come out of that out of that threesome. So, just my opinion. But anyway, time to get out of here, guys. Um, final thoughts, final comments. Uh, I guess we'll start where we ended. JB, final thoughts, final comments for the night. Well, you know, we went from opening kickoff to now we're already three-quarters through the season. And kind of sad, and, and, you know, you get to December, that's when things start to really take shape. So, uh, the first weekend of – first is it the first weekend? No, second weekend of the seventh. I'm really looking forward to seeing some of these divisional games now because now we're going to start to see some tire tracks. Rubber's going to finally meet the road. And I said it before, I'll say it again. Hats off to the schedulers to make the final quarter of the season so compelling and worth watching. Uh, I'm really excited to see where the uh, the team's going to shape up. So kudos to the schedulers again. All right. K-Star, your final thoughts? Thoughts and prayers are with Ryan Shazier really puts perspective on football. These guys are human beings first, and a man who's 25 has a lot of life ahead of him. And I think that we are, are all praying for him and uh, really hope that he gets better and, and that he's just able to, again, engage in normal human activity. Uh, football is all secondary at this point. Um, so definitely play, praying for Ryan Chazier. Amen. All right. Uh, Dr. Train, final thoughts. Dr. Train, are you on mute? Sorry, ditto to that, K-Star. I, I guess I can try to enjoy my team these last four games. Um, I don't have a problem losing. I just have a problem in the way we lose. And to lose to a 49ers team that doesn't quite have, it doesn't look like they have any more talent than you have, and the kicker that you cut, Hits five field goals on you, including the game winner. 
it's not a at home. That's that's <laughs> not that's not a good look. It's, it's, yeah, you can't even you can't even explain that to anybody. So uh, I guess I look forward to seeing if if Mitch develops into anything with these last four games and see how he plays out and uh, if they get rid of Fox. I I, I really have no problem with it because at some point we got to have some consistency at the head coach position. Um, maybe next year. We'll see. Maybe we'll bring in a guy that actually knows how to develop players because we, we are very devoid of talent uh, in this league. Chicago is definitely – we have way too many injuries during the season uh, for a team that, that doesn't even have the, the, the talent uh, to even compete on a consistent. Yay, us. All right. Uh, kudos to Wells Fargo. I love the new commercial with the cat and the and the, the app, you know, and the, the suspicious activity and it's someone doing something with the dog and the cat comes up and stares at the lady and she goes, it wasn't me. <laughs> kudos Wells Fargo on that one. Um, but anyway, it was just on NFL Network. Um, um, yeah, you know, I, I just, you know, I'm not optimistic on the Cowboys getting into the playoffs, but I am optimistic on getting some wins. So to that, I say get a win and keep us out of the pit of misery. Dilly dilly. Um, (laughs) um, And the only other thing that I'll say is, you know, and I thought about this during the week. I remember years ago when Charles Barkley said, I'm not a role model and he got a lot of heat. And when I, when I watch pro football and I think about what Gronk did, I think about, you know, um, the suspensions for, you know, uh, performance-enhancing drugs. And, you know, I, 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 think, I think he's right. You know, if, if, you want, if you're an athlete and you're looking for someone to model yourself after, you're a quarterback and you say, I want to play football like Tom Brady, I want to prepare like Peyton Manning, I want to run the ball like, you know, Walter Payton or whatever, okay, hey, that's fine. You know, we've all had, we've all had, I mean, when, 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 when I was, you know, a young lad, I wanted to be Ronaldo Nehemiah. I wanted to be the best high hurdler in the world, Um you know, and I had a good time high hurdling, but I didn't get to that point. So it's okay if you keep it limited to the sport that you're trying to pursue. But when you look at life in general, yeah, no. These are just people. They're just people. And they happen to make a lot of money doing their job. And kudos to them because they're in an industry that pays them so well. And they, they deserve it because football generates, you know, Twelve, thirteen billion dollars a year. So they deserve to get paid what they're getting paid, particularly when you're putting your bodies on the line. And again, you know, as K Star said, prayers to Ryan Shazier, and um, they deserve it. And if you want to make a lot of money and that's your goal, and you want to be a professional athlete, that's fine. But just be careful who your role model is. Just be careful. Because just because someone's good at football doesn't mean they're good in life. Just because they're good at basketball doesn't mean they're good in life. Find somebody who's also good in life. Make that person your role model. Congratulations to Herm Edwards. You know, um, 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 you know, here we go. Hello? You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. That's the great thing about sports. You play to win. And I don't care if you don't have any wins. You go play to win. When you start telling me it doesn't matter, then retire. 
Get out. Yeah, man. You know, that's the kind of person that, you know, when you want to be a role model and you look at someone who, you know, had a good, um, you know, had a, had a, a solid uh, player. I remember him as a player. I remember him as a coach and certainly as an analyst. And now he's going back to be a college football uh, coach. I think it's uh, I think it's Arizona State University that hired him. Right. Kudos to Kermit, yeah. Herm Edwards, man. Yeah. Congratulations to him. I mean, dude's 63 years old, you know, and he's going back. To, to be a coach of these young men and man wouldn't you just like if you were going to be going to can you just imagine right we're all we're, we're all either have kids or old enough to have kids i know train ain't there yet but you know you know i, I know i know it's coming dr train i know at some point it's coming but anyway that's another discussion um <laughs> but you know think about your son going to play pro football and here comes Herm Edwards in your living room to recruit your son. Your son's a top 100 ESPN high school prospect, and here comes Herm Edwards. Man, how many people going to say no to that guy? And when you look at role models and you say, who do I want to be like? Who do I want to strive for? Who motivates me? Those are the type of people you want to look at. Successful, not just on the field, but successful in life. Okay? That's, that's all I got to say about that. So, Enjoy it. Jay said it right. Last four games, last four weeks of the season, and then it's over, and then it's playoffs. So enjoy it. For some of us, it may be the last four games of the year. For other people, goddamn K-Star, um, he gets to enjoy going into the postseason. So enjoy it. So for Dr. Train, for K-Star, and for my brother JB, everybody enjoy the games this weekend. We will see you here next week, same bat time, same bat channel. And remember, as always, and we saw last night, all feuds are settled on the field. See you next week. Good night, everybody.